Hello there, I'm Alyssa Olenek, scientist, exercise enthusiast, weightlifter, outdoors lover, and entrepreneur. I believe that the extremes in the fitness and wellness industries are leaving way too many of us out of the conversation, not telling us the knowledge that we actually need to succeed in our health, our wellness, our nutrition, and quite frankly, our lives. They end up giving us black and white polarizing messages that leave us more confused than giving us the answers that we need. Through my 10 years of studying exercise science, metabolism, and female physiology, as well as exploring the outdoors and being a fitness athlete myself, I'm here to bring to you the conversations that need to be had in an industry that often is too far focused on extremes. So if you join me on this podcast, I truly believe that life is best lived in the messy middle. Hello there, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Messy Middle Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about everyone's favorite topic, the hot topic of the year, cycle syncing. And so if you haven't first checked out my video, uh, Menstrual Cycle Myths, where I kind of debunk a lot of the common claims going around menstrual cycle training, what actually it means, what to, how to interpret that, all of that, make sure you go back and listen to that episode or watch that video. Because today, I want to talk about what I would consider a better way to train or work with your cycle. So now I've given like eight different podcast interviews on this topic and I'm kind of giving the same interview over and over. And so I want to kind of bring some of that information that I'm giving in other sources here to you all to kind of consolidate that for my biggest fans and greatest followers. So before we dive into today's episode, if you are listening on your favorite podcast platform, please consider rating and reviewing the podcast. It helps me a ton. I really, really appreciate it. If you are listening on YouTube, go ahead and hit that subscribe button, hit a like, leave a comment. And if you really want to support Docless Fitness and or the Messy Metal Podcast in general, go to the opposite platform and leave a review or subscribe or like, leave some love. And if you listen to this on, you know, and tag me in Instagram, let me know if you learned something, you enjoyed something, it always helps. And someone else might find this information helpful as well. So Let's dive in. So cycle syncing has become all of the rage recently. And I want to make some things very clear when talking about this, because I think because I am anti cycle syncing in the sense of like what is viral on TikTok right now, that I think that we are, you know, everyone who menstruates is exactly like a biological male. And that's that doesn't matter. Shut up. And that is not what I am ever been saying, but that does get lost in the sauce because people are so adamantly against cycle syncing that we kind of need to dial back and answer the questions of like, well, how do we consider our cycle and our performance, our health and all of those things? Because I know that the reason cycle syncing has become so popular is because women or menstruating individuals do feel really left out. And a lot of people constantly remind you, you're left out of science. You don't care. This and that, blah, 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 screw you. And it makes you feel like, okay, well, it's nothing about me. Right? So to dive in today to start, I want to break it into three camps. And that is there is the camp of there's no impact on menstrual cycle whatsoever. Anything doesn't matter. And I think a lot of people, again, think I'm in that camp and I'm not. There is the middle road of like, there's probably parameters within performance that we should consider in regards to your cycle, hormonal state, whether that's birth control, performance, postmenopausal, premenopausal, pregnancy, postpartum, all of that stuff. And then there's the, our entire life should revolve around this. This dictates everything. We are fragile butterflies type misinformation camp. And so contrary to popular belief, I'm a little bit more in that mid-road, shocking, with a podcast called The Messy Middle. Um, but I think we need more nuance and context to this discussion because everybody wants you to just suddenly be able to spew off exactly how you should train around our cycle. And while we might have hunches or assumptions, or we can extrapolate what we think physiologically and mechanistically might apply in the whole body level or in the like at training adaptation level, the data just isn't quite there. And so unfortunately, a lot of people are speaking half of hypothesis or 
we are we can use data that we do have so even though there's less studies right that doesn't mean there's no studies it just means that we don't have a very large complete body of work done yet quite on menstruating individuals or female athletes. Do I think we need more research? Yes, I do. I published the paper showing that 6% of studies are done just on, on women. I was the second author there. I'm working on more papers with that group. And I wouldn't have done a PhD or a postdoc in you know women's physiology if I didn't care about these things. So I promise that I am on your side. Um, I think people think that I'm not. But the issue is that a lot of that misinformation is kind of giving you this idea that you know there's none of this data on you, but then we're going to use this data that we're going to make up, use hypotheses to over-extrapolate mechanisms to tell you how to alter your life four times a month, which can seem really stressful and overwhelming. So what I want to break down today is what can we do as female trainees or self-declared athletes or just highly active individuals who have a menstrual cycle or honestly, depending on your birth control type, can apply to you as well if you have an IUD and or fluctuations with your pill concentrations. Just how can we adjust our training or work with our bodies and or our hormones, not against them, in a way that makes sense but also is grounded in the current state of evidence, uses nuance, considers things that might be coming forth in the evidence in the future, and or, you know, can be a best practice to apply to coaching our clients and training, right? So to start, when we think about the menstrual cycle, uh, the phases that really kind of get tossed around or lumped together can kind of be broken down into two major phases, the follicular phase and the luteal phase. They are marked in the middle by ovulation, but you can break those down even further to the menstrual phase, which is part of the follicular phase, the late follicular phase. So those kind of are, you know, early follicular is your onset of your menstrual cycle day one. That is the start of your new cycle into that late follicular phase. Um, during this time, hormones are really low during your period. They're rising in your follicular phase going into ovulation, as some like to call it the main event, so to speak of your menstrual cycle, but ovulation is very important, into the luteal phase. And I think the luteal phase really gets tossed all as one, but really we have early, mid, and late luteal phase where your hormones coming off of ovulation kind of dip down a little bit again. They rise back up where progesterone and estrogen are at their highest in that mid-luteal phase, and then they lower back down into the menstrual cycle and it repeats all over again. So to recap some of the stuff that I did say in the earlier podcast, again, go back and listen and watch that for more context and more references, probably be more helpful listen to that before going into this, um, is that most of the evidence and data we have right now shows that you can perform across the entire month, you know, PRs and records and events have been performed during all phases of the menstrual cycle. Uh, major athletic things like strength output and or endurance and things like that appear to not be super largely impacted by the menstrual cycle, but there are some small acute differences between phases. And largely overall, what we see when we look at meta-analyses or reviews, just based off the data we have now, um, is in general, if we're going to have a decreased or a negative impact in performance, it's probably going to be in that late luteal phase, so right as your hormones are dropping back down, and or that early menstrual cycle phase where they're like kind of flat in the first few days of your period. However, these seem to be tied more strongly to those who have greater PMS symptoms or, you know, poor premenstrual syndrome, premenstrual syndrome and or, you know, menstrual cycle onset effects. So, what it really wraps back to the fact that this is largely individual and that's what we're going to kind of get into here today a little bit more. So that is the general gist of what the literature says. And the rest of it is kind of wonky where it's like 50% of studies show difference between phases, 50% don't, 50% of women report, you know, 
that that engaged in sport or activity that have been surveyed or asked report that they have you know perceived impact of different menstrual cycle phases or they feel like certain phases feel better or worse for them others report that they find no difference and so that's what makes this really messy and hard is because every menstrual cycle is different person to person but even cycle phase to cycle phase like things in your life can alter your cycle month to month even and so one of the biggest things that we really want to think about when we're thinking about the female athlete the menstruating individual you know the women that are engaging in recreational sport however you identify is that we want to remember that even though we are not giving you a blanket statement because you want something to be about women or female athletes or female trainees or menstruating trainees that doesn't mean we are ignoring you we are saying that it's so unique that it applies to you so we really need to start with covering our bases here. So I kind of went over the menstrual cycle, but before we even worry about the menstrual cycle, we need to think about the big things that impact our overall health metabolically, hormonally, you know, fitness output, whatever it is that we're looking at, our overall health and well-being, we need to start at the base. Hormones are flashy and sexy right now, and there may be a time and place, especially when it comes to performance outcomes, especially in elite athletes, especially as the data continues to grow and emerge. I'm not here to say that hormones have zero impact whatsoever and that we're never going to have data that might clarify this a little bit more. What I'm saying is that regardless of where the data goes, and I hope it I hope it gives us more clarity over the years, is that it doesn't really matter how you adjust to your hormones if you're not doing the big base building things, so to speak. Um, I know I use that a lot with aerobic training, but like building the base of your pyramid of things that actually matter, the big rocks, the hard-hitting things that are going to impact you, your performance, your health, and all of that stuff more than adjusting for your menstrual cycle phase, right? So the first thing is going to be that regardless of who you are, this happens to elite athletes, this happens to amateur athletes, this happens to the everyday woman. On average, especially, you know, leaner individuals, leaner women tend to undereat. So eating enough macronutrients, eating enough micronutrients, eating enough calories, protein, carbs, and fat for your goals or your health or your desired outcomes is going to be the most important thing ever. I cannot stress to you enough that all of the things that we worry about with training in our luteal phase or ignoring our menstrual cycle are actually occurring when you have loss of ovulation. So you have anovulatory cycles and or your amenorrheic. So you have a loss of your menstrual cycle altogether. Under eating you know, high stress activity with inadequate food intake, you know, loss of your menstrual cycle, loss of ovulation, those things are make exercise training your response adaptations more difficult and more stressful on your body. However, unfortunately, that is something that's, you know, a high prevalence in female athletes, trainees, recreational or at the sport level. And so we need to be making sure that we have enough energy available. I think that the lack of energy availability and or, you know, having high energy deficits and or the female athlete triad, however you want to, you know, refer to this as in menstruating individuals and trainees or in general, you know, this can be masked by birth control, stuff like that, is that I lost my entire train of thought, everyone. Um, I, I think that people forget that energy availability is a bigger deal 
to health and performance outcome in the menstruating or female individual than the menstrual cycles impact on performance. Like I really truly mean that as someone who's studied female physiology and metabolism, having enough nutrients available and being well fed is going to have such a significant impact on your health and performance. Like I think that these menstrual cycle conversations leave out the fact that low energy availability, not having enough energy or carbohydrates or protein, carbs, calories is the word I'm looking for. Calories for your basic daily functional needs means that your body is going to downregulate those. And we do not want that. So I, I understand wanting to jump to the fancy, sexy stuff, but the f- best thing that you can do to start with is to make sure that you are eating adequate protein, carbs, fat, you know, nutrients, calories that you need, just starting with nutrition, your hydration. And so you can go back to another earlier episode that I have. This, I believe, is only on my podcast. I don't think this is cross-posted to my YouTube, but I could be wrong, on the big three for female athletes. And we talk a little bit more about those nutritional needs and why those are so important and why they're more important um, than cycle syncing or considering your cycle um, for your health and performance outcomes. So you want to start there, right? And that's a lot of work. Like if any one of you has gone through working with a nutrition coach, a dietitian, and or your own health fitness food journey, you know that that's not the easiest thing to do. Like I was the female athlete in college who thought that it was cool that I restricted carbs and I was like paleo plus oatmeal. And I was really lean and I would brag and be like, oh, you can't be built like this if you eat carbohydrates. And little did I know I was underfeeding myself, right? I didn't know what the hell I was doing or talking about. We've all been there. Um, but I thought that high fat and paleo and like un- restricting all these things were best for me and then I ended up overeating fat gaining weight having poor performance and then being really confused and frustrated with all of my health and my outcomes right so you know those are things that I think we need to start with and then from there I mean everyone's like okay Alyssa we get it we know we need to eat more we need to eat enough I'm so sick of hearing that but really like I really cannot stress to you enough but we will move on with that being said once you are a hydrated protein filled carb loaded happy little lady or honestly, this also applies to everyone because there's low energy risk in males or um, anyone who identifies as male as well because, but it's just a lower threshold, right? So anyway, that's another topic for another day. The next thing is making sure that you are following a well-structured training program, working up the period, period, pyramid, your nutrient intake is so much more important than anything else. You can also probably toss in there stress management, sleep, all your healthy behaviors. But we're just thinking about like performance in general, like just as a whole and moving up the pyramid. Once you're well fed, yes, you need to consider your sleeping and stress management. I know that is not helpful. Go back and listen to my podcast episodes with Dr. Karen Norton um, on Norton on uh, mindset. That might help a little bit more there. But when we're working our ways up, um, we want to then think about following a well-structured training program, right? What are you thinking if you're not following something that's allowing you to get feedback and assess your response or even know how your body's responding to training? Like what are, what are you thinking, right? You need to have something to go off of to know when to adjust, when to modulate your training, when to know how things are responding differently. Like you just, just jumping into a blanket cycle syncing routine of like, okay, do lifting during these weeks, high intensity during this week, plyos during this week, do slow controlled exercise during this week, and then don't do anything this week but Pilates and yoga or gentle walking is, it doesn't help you, it doesn't tell you anything about your training program, especially if you have specific outcomes and goals that you are trying to achieve. You really want to think about like, okay, well, like, 
Am I following a structured training program to begin with? Am I following progressive overload? Am I getting feedback about how things are responding to me? Am I doing the same workouts frequently enough to actually know if they're being impacted by things in my life, whether it's your menstrual cycle, your sleep, your stress, you know, anything else, your work, anything else going on in your life, right? That's how you will know if things need to change. And we're really skipping over that. And, and that's a huge issue too, because not only are people, you know, females, chronically dieting or restricting or yo-yo dieting or you maybe not eating following the healthiest eating patterns um but they're also traditionally not meeting physical activity guidelines in general for largely resistance training they might be doing a lot of cardio or i think i see this more often in the like cycle sync coach type community um and when i say cycle sync coach i really want you guys to understand like i'm talking about like the self-declared i just i quote unquote balanced my own hormones I'm going to regurgitate a book type people, not performance-based people who maybe are like taking these things into consideration from a legitimate standpoint. But, you know, the TikTokies, the TikTokies. Um, but a lot of people are either not meeting physical activity guidelines, doing a regular exercise, changing their exercise routine all the time, or we have the group that probably was also maybe under eating or unintentionally putting their body into a larger energy deficit who was constantly doing high volumes, high intensity, mismanaged volume, non-polarized training, you know, haphazard overloading of all of the, all of the things in fitness and just overdoing exercise volume and intensity while at the same time under eating. And they did lead to hormonal, hormonal downregulation or dysregulation. That's what you're seeing a lot. So when these, these, these ticky-tocky babies are switching to a cycle syncing routine and they're watching their eating, all they're doing is creating more energy that's more available for the body so it can recover, it can adapt, it can make progress in their fitness, and then it has enough energy to actually have normal hormonal function, restore ovulation, restore the menstrual cycle. And so I, I really want you guys to understand the ties of what I'm saying here to like what you're seeing out there. And so I think that's a really good example that needs to be talked about because if you are you know, overeating or undereating, if you're overtraining or undertraining, or if you're training irregularly or you're eating irregularly, like work on making those more routine, more like sustainable for your lifestyle and what you can actually do. Make sure you're following good training programs. Shameless plug for my programs, the list method that will, I will straight up tell you as a client, if you come to us, that maybe you should back off on some of the volume or what you're doing. You might not like to hear it, but usually that does yield more results for the people that are overdoers. And then we also have the training programs that are concurrent for the people that don't know how to mix the things together or they just don't know how to do enough or what to do exactly. We can help you out with that. So shameless plug, join us in the list method. Um, but with that being said, you know, give yourself something sustainable sustainable and trackable and consistent so you can actually see where hormones or life are impacting these things and so right now this advice I'm giving applies to everyone like you know work on healthy nutritional habits work on you know having solid exercise routine habits that are sustainable that mix use a mix of resistance training and aerobic training and it's okay like if you like to do group fitness or crossfit where things are more variable generally if you're doing something that's like well programmed from the top down like a good crossfit gym even things like orange theory fit i can't really speak to some of the other things but if it's well programmed and structured there's going to be some rhyme or reason to what you're doing but you should be able to tell like class to class even in that how you are feeling in response to different things like generally they are following some sort of schematic where you're doing similar workouts every so many days and or every week on the same day things like that so I can't speak to every programming of every gym and stuff like that um but generally even those are fine like just track what you're doing be consistent 
then from there, you know, you've, you're, you're, you're like, okay, Alyssa, I get it. Like, I'm just like you, Liz. I, you know, watch my sleep. I watch what I eat. I follow the structure training program. I assess my feedback, all of this stuff, blah, 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 blah. Tell me what to do. I know it is very frustrating, but I'm going to tell you a few more things to do first. So there is first one thing that I think that you should do, and that is assess and use. And a lot of you can just stop right here. Honestly, for so many of you who are stressed and busy and have jobs and kids, or maybe you don't have extreme fluctuations or contrast in your menstrual cycle, or you personally cannot be bothered with this, the next thing that you should do, and you can stop right here, like I said, is use rating of perceived exertion. So RPE uh, is a scale of one to 10, and it's essentially assessing your difficulty of your exercise. And so what you can do is you can use RPE as a way to self-regulate how much intensity that you're doing within your training programs, right? And so if you have a back squat three by eight and you're doing it an RPE of seven and you are in one phase of your menstrual cycle and you feel fantastic, right? And you want to push it. You're going to do 200 pounds for all three sets of a RPE seven. You feel great. You feel awesome. And you go back into the gym the next week and, you know, maybe your kid was sick all night. Maybe you are in your luteal phase or maybe you're about to start your period or maybe you're about to ovulate because some women actually have, you know, poor, feel worse during ovulation. I know that's not as trendy to say, but say whatever symptomality is associated with you and maybe where you don't feel best or you slept poorly or you're really stressed for work and you walk into the gym and you go, okay, I'm going to load this up and you're doing your warm up sets and you get to like 170 and you're like, man, that felt heavy, right? So you decide to do your first set at 180 to see how it felt. And that 180 felt as about as hard as last week's 200. And you can just stick there and do that regardless of like the menstrual phase or whatever else is going on in your life. You can say, okay, the seven out of 10 effort this week is 180 pounds and that's okay. And if you want to even track that across time so you feel less crazy or less bad about your body or you want to learn your own patterns, you can do that. But keep an assessment of how that is fluctuating. Maybe your weight's changing at the same time every single month. Maybe your paces are increasing. Maybe the way you feel in workouts is better or worse different times. But RPE can adjust for volume and intensity indirectly with just using this one simple tool. So you don't have to change your workouts every single week and you don't have to overhaul the style of training that you're doing and you don't have to necessarily be adjusting volume intensity days that you're training deloads all this stuff which can be really overwhelming especially for gen pop individuals who are just kind of trying to do enough exercise to keep you know keep themselves active keep healthy maybe you have a few like smaller fitness goals but nothing really overwhelming or really extreme that is a great tool and honestly Anyone can use that, right? I heavily rely on RPE in my own training all of the time. And especially as someone who works a lot and works a highly stressful job, I can tell you that like over the last six months, I have felt my training be impacted by my work volume and my work stress, but I used RPE to adjust my weights and I'm still making progress. I'm still getting better. I'm still getting my training in. I'm just making it realistic for what I can do in this season, but also my body. And the same thing applies to, you know, hormonal fluctuations and your personal experience with your menstrual cycle. This may also mean that with auto-regulation, that you can make the calls on when you feel doing certain activities are best for you or not for others. I know that when I ever talk about this on Instagram or with clients or people in general, they say, I would truly rather die than go to the gym the first day of my period. They have high PMS symptoms. They feel terrible. Whatever that is, 
that can also be a piece of auto-regulation where you say, okay, the first day of my period, I will take as a rest day, right? You can rearrange your weeks. If you track your cycles long enough, you can plan for it. That can be part of your auto-regulation and that is okay to do, right? But that's a part of like, you have to just learn to work with your body and listen to your body. But if you're following a consistent training program and you have adequate nutrition coming in, the signals of what might actually be your personal fluctuations in your hormones will be more clear rather than it being fuzzed out by the noise that is not getting enough sleep, really high stress, under eating, haphazard training. Like that's where you're going to have more. That's where you might even feel your cycle is impacting you more. You might be more sensitive to those changes and fluctuations because everything's going to feel more extreme. Your body's more in a quote unquote stressed place, so to speak. Um, you might just be more sensitive to those things because you're exhausted and you're underfed and you're not consistent with your training. So start back at the bottom during those times and phases and then work your way up and listen and find those patterns in your body. But using RPE is a great tool because RPE indirectly, like I mentioned, will adjust your intensity and your volume. So three by 200 for eight reps is more volume than three by eight at eight reps, right? That is, you're getting more volume in. So if you feel better or you can push more and like maybe it is your follicular phase, maybe it's your ovulation to, you know, from follicular ovulation to your early luteal phases that you feel good, push during those times and push that weight. That is okay to do, right? You can also do it where if you really feel really crummy, you can, you know, jump back. And I love the two hard sets rule, right? You can take it and say you're, you are someone who is very impactful by your luteal to late luteal phases or maybe you're just having a bad month or whatever that is you can say you know what I'm gonna back off my training by just doing two hard sets instead of three sets for this training or instead of doing four sets today and doing two sets hard and that will indirectly reduce your volume especially if you feel like your your recovery is being impacted you feel really crummy whatever that is you can use the intensity scale out of 10 and a good program should be programming you RPE and don't worry about hitting percentage percentages or making progress week to week but think about your progress over time right again a great example is how much my work has been impacting my training the last six months and I've watched my deadlift go from the strongest it's been in years to pretty meh to getting stronger to going back down to finally building back up but I'm still making progress over time and that's what matters most and you need to like zoom out on that especially if you're a regular person trying to balance kids job work so you can stop there but if you do want to make more considerations that are based around your cycle I'm going to give you some advice following here so you can stop there you can use RPE and that will count for so many things for you. You can just kind of factor, that will factor in your hormones, that will factor in your sleep, that will factor in your stress, that will factor in your, your fed state, that will factor in just how life is impacting training because for most of us, training isn't our life, even if we would like it to be. So from there, assuming you, you know, you're fed, you're slept, you're managing your stress to the best of your ability for the most part, and you're following a tr consistent training program and you're like, okay, well, I am noticing more distinct patterns and fluctuations for myself. So what do I do with this information? So for those of you who do not track your menstrual cycle, what I would say to start is before you do any of this, take about three months at the least worth of data of tracking your menstrual cycle. There's menstrual cycle apps, there's calendars. I have a free resource actually that I will try to remember to put in these show notes that I made earlier this summer um, on how to manage and monitor your menstrual cycle and even has like a little paper tracker for you as well. Um, but with that being said, <coughs> you're noticing patterns. So what can you do in response to those patterns in order to, you know, get the most out of your training based on what we know right now and in general. So I like to take what I like to call a nutrition forward approach when it comes to menstrual cycle training. And so, um, a lot of people think that when I talk about 
menstrual cycle periodization and I think about and I, I, I mentioned how like cycle syncing is kind of bunky and it's not really all that that it's chalked up to be is that that means that there's nothing that we can do in response to anything we are helpless to our cycles and that's not what I mean but I really like taking a nutrition forward approach so what I mean by a nutrition forward approach is that I like taking changes to our nutrition to try to like reduce or make the effect that we feel of our cycles go away or feel better and so there's a few different things that we can do across the month in order to kind of mitigate these changes that we're feeling or work with our bodies or maximize you know effects that we know from our hormones so there is a good bit of literature that kind of sheds light on changes in metabolism across the menstrual cycle whether that's um you know in response to eating but in general during exercise and so for those of you who are new here and don't know this this is quite literally what my PhD is in. My entire dissertation was like exercise response um, to the menstrual cycle or sex differences and during exercise and postprandial or post-eating. So this is kind of my bread and butter. And so I have a bias towards metabolism and nutrition, but with good reason. And so we do have a little bit more clear of an idea of like what's potentially going on here and changes across the menstrual cycle with these things. So the Messy Middle Podcast will be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Are you confused about what supplements you should actually be taking? In a world full of juice cleanses, detox teas, fancy promises, it can really be hard to trust anything. But high quality supplements, when dosed appropriately, can actually help support your fitness goals. And that's why I use Legion. I've been using Legion supplements since the beginning of this year, and after years of never really fully committing to one single brand due to lack of transparency in their labeling, unnecessary fluff, or just reporting things as blends and not knowing what's actually my product, I finally found a solid science-based product line that fits my supplementing needs. Legion's products are 100% naturally sweetened, and my favorite part, they are fully transparent in their labeling, and they use dosages that are actually backed by what the science says you need to be effective and support your fitness goals. And not the least amount you can get away with, and not just labeling as blends, but fully transparently telling you what's in your product and why they dosed it that way. And this is huge, because it lets you know exactly what you're taking and if it's actually going to be effective, and then you can know what's going into your body. My personal favorites are their cinnamon cereal whey. Yes, it tastes as good as it sounds. The mocha cappuccino plant protein. Pulse, their pre-workout, which comes in non-stimulant or caffeinated stimulant based. And Recharge, the recovery blend, which also gives me the creatine I need to move weights well in the gym. Legion offers 100% money back guaranteed if you're not happy with their products. And you can save 20% off your first order today with our code MESSYMIDDLE at checkout. That's M-E-S-S-Y. M-I-D-D-L-E at checkout to save 20% today. To start, when we have that early menstrual cycle to ovulation period, that follicular phase, during this time period, we're a little bit more reliant on carbohydrates, which means that, you know, our bodies are more glycolytic. They're using more carbohydrate. You need more carbs in order to max out your glycogen stores or to carb load similar or compared to that of men during this follicular phase. So if you're, you know, prepping for a big racing event, you're trying to carb load or you're trying to, you know, you know, you trying to have enough carbs in you for performance, you want to increase your total daily carbohydrate intake here slightly. And when I say this, it doesn't mean like you're making huge fluctuations. Honestly, it's probably trivial in the, in the sense of like anywhere from 10, 30 grams a day, but you can play with this yourself if you're tracking food. And if you're not tracking food, like just eat some more cereal, rice, potatoes. Like just think about increasing those carby foods during this time period, especially like if we have high volumes of training and just 
decreasing or like maybe like instead of two servings of peanut butter, we have one so we can eat more carbs, like that kind of thing during this time. So um, during this time period, nutrition advice that I have is pretty straightforward. It's pretty much eat more carbs across the day. Um, protein intake is important across the month. And even though protein needs are maybe not as high or as demanding during this phase, in general, you as a menstruating athlete and trainee want to make sure that you are prioritizing adequate protein intake. And it never hurts to do it like pre-workout, post-workout. But in general, you just want to be making sure you're eating enough across the day but you might get away with being like being maybe like 10 grams less during this phase or a small percentage less um, during this phase because of the fact that you know it's more estrogen dominant and or it's there's not as much there's really no presence of progesterone compared to that of the luteal phase so you can technically get away with a little bit and we'll talk about that here in a second so really you want to make sure you're you're prioritizing carbohydrate intake um, during this time period that's really the main you know effect on macronutrients there and so when we get into the luteal phase this is where things get a little bit more detailed on what I would suggest here and so um, when we get into the luteal phase and you have that high presence of estrogen and progesterone, you are going to be a little bit more reliant on fat oxidation. Fat oxidation is a little bit higher during this phase. You're a little less insulin sensitive. You might have um, a little bit harder time, you know, tapping in and using your glucose store, so to speak. There might be less low glucose readily available, things like that. And so what we can do during this phase to mitigate some of this stuff is one, there's also the effect of the fact that your metabolism is slightly increased during this phase. It's like two to 12%, which might pan out to being like 50 to 200 calories a day, depending on how many calories you're expending. But that can be very meaningful for your hunger and your performance and how you feel and or respond to your symptoms. So the one, the thing that you should do is if you are more hungry during this phase, have an extra snack, right? Eat a little bit more, increase the serving size of one of your meals, have an extra snack, whatever it needs to do to get a little bit more, you know, energy available to your body eat a little bit more calories and if you are dieting or cutting you might want to if you feel really hungry during this phase um there's some evidence suggests that maybe perhaps taking a diet break or using this as a time to bump back up to maintenance might be more of an idea to help you stay on track and or work with your bodies during this time so maybe consider you know getting out of your deficit during the time the week during your midluteal phase when you feel really hungry maybe you feel run down or maybe you feel really large impacts on your training because of this eat a little bit more 50, 100, 150, 200 calories more. There is variance in your like quote unquote maintenance calories. So like even bumping back up means you might still be in slight deficit or you might be able to eat more because your body expends more when you eat more of those things. So don't don't freak out about how do you know if it's, you know, 2% or 10% or 12% to you. Just kind of eat an extra snack and it's probably going to even out, you know, aim for something between 100 and 200 calories and you're probably being in a good ballpark um if you're craving fat during this phase feel free to eat like a little piece of chocolate maybe some peanut butter but you also really still want to be considering carbohydrates during this time but the difference is that you want to make sure it's more prioritized towards your training whether that's pre or interest so you might end up doing the opposite of what i just recommend in the follicular phase during this time eating a little bit more fat decreasing carbs a little bit and again i this isn't like huge large fluctuations like you don't need to go keto for half the month or anything like that which I have seen suggested it's just making a slight differential preference towards fat oxidation or matching you know that with increasing your your caloric needs or your cravings or whatever it is so because be as simple as just having a little bit of fat in your snack and calling that a day um but with that being said, carbs are still important here. And so the issue is that you're maybe not as easily able to tap into your carb stores and your muscles during this time and or you might be less insulin sensitive, things like that. And so in order to work around this, we can 
basically time having a lot of our carbohydrates pre and intra workout. And so one, a disclaimer to make to the insulin sensitivity thing, because I think that gets tossed around the cycle thinking is that if you have a lean body composition and you're pretty active, especially cardiovascularly, those fluctuations seem to be a lot less across the month than like lower active people or those with more adiposity. So, you know, starting with the basics, right? Increasing activity level, finding a good weight maintenance place for you, whatever that means or feels like to you. Like I'm not going to tell you that you have to diet on this podcast today, but those are things that might have more fluctuation there. But with that being said, why we want to maybe prioritize timing of carbohydrate a little bit more is that some of the negative impacts and performance have been shown to be reduced or go away with carbohydrate feedings. There's a sentence in my dissertation, I wish I could read this right now, in the background and literature review that I really loved. And it was basically like when it comes to like aerobic performance or you know aerobic performance outcomes in you know I was doing menstrual cycle stuff and birth control that it looks like it's essentially nutritional status oral contraceptive use and then the menstrual cycle that are going to impact these things more significantly and so it's really cool when you look at some of these studies that when you feed female athletes before these studies metabolic differences tend to kind of go away and or there's some other data that I've seen where they you know have either more carbohydrate prior to an exercise training session or intra and that the time trial like so time to performance um differences go away when you are fed so don't neglect the part that being fed can reduce negative impacts you feel in your performance and if you're in an energy deficit because you need more calories and or you're restricting them bump them up eat a little bit more carbohydrate prior to your workout or if you're doing endurance or longer training sessions carbohydrate during that like eat more carbs right Uh, but prioritize and time them around that workout so they're readily available they're in your bloodstream you can take them in your uh, muscles will bring little glucose receptors to the outside and pull that glucose in to you um, into your muscle cell without using insulin. So that's why I like the insulin sensitivity thing. You can kind of bypass that with using muscle contraction through physical activity um, and or time your carbohydrates so that when you are going to do your physical activity, they're kind of right there in your bloodstream ready for you to go. Um, so those are two things that you can do. And then the third is that you can time your protein intake And so some people give the advice that like it's better to take like your protein shake immediately after in the luteal phase. And I don't disagree with that. But I think something that is largely neglected in the sports science field in spear and fitness and social media is that yes, post-workout amino acid availability is important, but having amino acid availability pre-workout might actually be better and more important. And think about it, like you're taking in protein and then you're going to the gym and that's already in your bloodstream available. So once you start to recover, it's able to bring in those, you know, the building blocks of your muscles. So time, making sure there's, there's protein in that pre-workout meal and, or that post-workout for sure. And so for those of you that are maybe, you know, working out early in the morning, especially in this phase, I know you're like, shit, I'm sensitive to energy deficits. I don't want to eat. It's early in the morning. I'm training fasted. Oh my gosh, what do I do? Some carbs. And if you can take like an essential amino acid supplement, I prefer EAAs to BCAAs. I think BCAAs are a waste of money. EAAs are kind of expensive. If you can get in like chocolate milk or a little bit of whey protein, like even 10 to 15 grams, whatever that looks like, you know, you can, or you can do an essential amino acid supplement, just get some amino acids available in your body. So your, your body can pull those in, then it won't, you know, pull from your muscle tissues, but it has some of that available for energy availability and or carbohydrates, which can literally be, you know, some Gatorade, applesauce packets, juice, um, 
chocolate milk, like I said, is like your best bang for your buck between those things. I can't do dairy, so I do soy, and I put a little bit of Hershey's chocolate syrup in that because that, I mean, there's a lot of data and research on chocolate milk. But essentially, like if you're training fast in the morning or you're taking long periods of not eating between like lunch and your training session, just try to make sure that you're getting some sort of protein and carbohydrate in you before you go to the gym and or if you're doing long extended periods of training like long endurance training you should be prioritizing adequate carbohydrate to begin with but if you are not then making sure that you really are during this phase or or phase of the month and or bumping it up a little bit and that will also help with muscle recovery both the protein and the carbohydrate especially intra-workout carbohydrate for those longer um, duration and endurance or you know multi-hour gym sessions whatever you're doing that can help with some of the like post-exercise recovery needs because it's going to be less harsh and less demanding on your body if there's glucose available um, for it to perform that physical work output that you're doing so those are things that you can do with adjusting your macronutrients during these phases to adjust for your training and then my other little bits of advice is that thermal regulation might be impacted by the high hormone phase in the mid luteal phase and so for those of you who especially are working out in the heat or you're doing endurance type events increasing your water intake um, but also increasing your electrolyte intake so having enough electrolytes available which due to alterations in viscosity in your blood and your electrolyte pools and things that are associated with you know heat dissipation and thermoregulation and sweat rate and things like that you want to make sure that you're bringing in enough water especially if you're sweating more because you're losing it more but you're replacing loss of electrolytes and or helping your body maintain that in response to exercise that might help performance as well but in general that might be something that might help you during this phase of your cycle especially for my endurance athlete friends or those working out outside in the heat whether that's you know your crossfit competition your tough mutter your big race or maybe you're even lifting in a really hot gym and sweating profusely right like so consider using electrolyte supplements during this phase as you all know I love liquid IV my code is docless fitness and we'll have a link in the show notes um, that you can use to support me and or shop with me as well and it's usually about 20 or 25 percent off I can't remember with sales usually bumping up to 30 but that's the one that I really like it does have a little bit of carb in there too which is nice you're getting a little bit of extra carbohydrate or sugar um, during your workouts to sustain that as well and so during this phase as well there might be potential negative impacts on recovery might be harder to recover one the protein and carbohydrate will help improve that recovery right eating a little bit more carbs will help improve that recovery but this might be a good period of time to work on sleep hygiene, especially if you're someone who's you feel like your sleep is impacted by a menstrual cycle phase, which a lot of people do report that or do feel that um, due to the fluctuations on hormones. So really making sure you're like reducing screen time, going to bed earlier, winding down, like doing things to help you like cool down before you go to bed, putting maybe like sleeping in a cooler type temperature, taking a shower before you, you know, go to sleep, things that can help you kind of ease into your sleep a little bit better. Um, I'm personally on birth control, so I cannot speak to having this during a luteal phase, but I like beam. It's like the most woo-woo thing that I believe in and take. I, I say that transparently, but that stuff, whenever I, I, you know, want a really good night's sleep, I'm traveling, my sleep schedule's off, whatever it looks like, you know, I had a hard training day. I love doing a mug of beam. And it really just, it knocks me out. My WHOOP data is always significantly better when I take it. So, you know, take that with a grain of salt because WHOOP is still also new technology. These are, I guess, my two boo-boo exposure things. But it might be something worth a try that I've personally tried and I, and I, I can attest really helps me. 
My code is list 15 for that as well. But again, you could try just, you know, your normal sleep hygiene. Something else that is getting increasing evidence that might be worth trying and taking as well is um, tart cherry juice. So tart cherry juice looks like it has some pretty um, potential positive impacts for recovery and or like, you know, your post-exercise recovery in general, irregardless of menstrual cycle phase, but also might help improve natural melatonin production and or onset of sleep. So you could try something. I think there's a couple companies out there. There's like a pouch one. I think it's like Cherry Bud. I have no code for that. I haven't tried it yet. I've been meaning to. But those might be things for you to play with or try during these phases to help adjust your sleep, which will impact your recovery, as well as nutritional things that you can do. Now, there are maybe specific supplements that might be able to help, but instead of giving blanket supplements of saying, take iron, take magnesium, take you know, you know, take this, this, that, blah, blah, blah. I really encourage you all to maybe potentially get blood work um, first to see so you're testing, not guessing on what you need because I personally supplement with things like vitamin D, magnesium, and I take fish oil mostly because of the potential benefits on brain health and there are, might be slight benefits on exercise recovery. I use that through Legion. Um, fish oil is the one where I can feel more safe saying to you, hey, you could take this and get potential benefits on these things and there is some evidence to suggest that fish oil during the luteal phase may be beneficial with helping with some of that, you know, post-exercise inflammation. And it's probably not harmful to take, but everything else that's more of a actual vitamin, nutrient, uh, micronutrient deficiency, I would encourage you to test, not guess, um, and either work with a professional or I like to use Inside Tracker. Man, I'm plugging all of the things today. I did not mean this, guys. I really, truly just work with companies that I align with the products um, where they will give you an analysis, but they will give you food and or supplement recommendations kind of based off what you need. And what I love is I love printing out that and either working with the RD that I'm working with and or my doctor before I kind of start to supplement specifically. Um, I feel confident enough to make dietary changes based off the recommendations of like increasing seafood or increasing fiber or increasing grains or like this food contains this and it might help improve this metric and you can track it over the time. Um, but I always do encourage you all to test not gas and then make sure you know before you take anything that you're working with a health professional because you might be overtaking something you might not need it you might be supplementing iron because someone told you to do that well you have adequate iron levels yada 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 so you know test not guess I love inside tracker for that reason but you of course can always get blood work with your doctor if it's covered by your, your insurance but if you want the kind of analysis and all that stuff my link my inside tracker link below um, I do that uh, usually once a year but I've done it like four times last few years personally so test not guess that's my disclaimer back to the menstrual cycle so those are things that you can do to kind of help and mitigate some of these things. And so the other thing that I will also suggest is there was actually a new study by my friend Sam, um, who's fantastic, and she works at Abby Smith Ryan's lab, and they do some fantastic work on supplements, nutrition, um, research, all that stuff. And that showed that even taking creatine, my beloved creatine, might help with some of the water storage um, that comes along with the luteal phase, but also like that can help you have like adequate hydration levels because it does pull in water into the cells. It's part of the mechanism of how it works. So there's some emerging evidence for some of those classic supplements across the month, and it doesn't make you fat. Um, with that being said, other things that you can consider during these phases, there was a study that came out earlier this year that showed that caffeine ingestion during the menstrual cycle phase boosted exercise performance to match that of the luteal phase when there was a decrease in performance there when it came to muscle power output. So caffeine is one of the most widely studied sports nutrition supplements um, and it has a ton of fantastic data on it. And so if you're looking for a boost in performance, some of those muscle recruitment uh, parameters that we see in other studies might help with some of that with the menstrual cycle as well. 
Um, if you're more sensitive to caffeine during these times, like don't feel pressure to take that. That's just a suggestion to do as well. And then there is some emerging evidence to suggest as well that while some of the, your perceptions might be valid to you, it might not, it might be more of a mental perception probably due to alterations in hormones and how that affects like your brain chemistry, which is a little bit out of my scope, but I've seen some of the data on that and your perceived enjoyment and perceived adherence or perceived effort during those phase, the late luteal phase of the menstrual cycle, but it might honestly actually just be more related to how you cognitively feel than the true muscular performance and output of your body, right? So with all that being said, that is my nutrition forward approach. Um, and also my caveat to like, it might kind of be in your head and you might show up to the gym and feel great anyway. But I like adjusting nutrition first and foremost before these things, before you, you, you know, you dive into any of these special training protocols because those might end up like reducing a lot of the issues. And I've seen this with clients and or when I talk about these things on social media once again, where people are like, hey, I took your advice and I increased my carbohydrate and calorie intake in the luteal phase and a lot of the issues that I was having went away, right? So really that's how we can dial in our nutrition, so to speak, in response to our menstrual cycle um then once you know again they're like docless is just gonna tell me to eat more carbs shut up um after that then you're like okay well like I really feel dialed in and I'm still feeling some different impacts of my cycle on my performance like what should I do so we're working our way up that pyramid we're at the tippy top now where most of you may never need to be and or you can do if you want to not gonna stop you can do whatever you want as long as you're training and fueling yourself I don't really don't care what you do or when we get to this more elite level and this is where we might consider how things are impacting us differently and unfortunately we while performance doesn't the data on performance is a little bit like oh it doesn't seem to be super impacted some things might be impacted some phases versus other phases that might be better here versus there for performance wise we don't have a ton on long-term training adaptations right so for one I will say even though women are not men we respond similarly to a lot of things that men. So I'm not saying that like studies on men necessarily exactly apply to us, but we're not going to find anytime soon, you know, that like we're not going to respond to mechanical tension or progressive overload or, you know, we don't respond at all to endurance training. Like the basic parameters of exercise adaptation apply to us. The things that we are looking for in the literature or that cycle-based performance considerations are going to include is how do we maximize the potential of each of these phases. And I do believe the data and science is going to go that way. And I'm excited for it. Like, I hope so. Like, I would love to maybe eventually be doing this. Who knows where my career will go? But like, I think that's really interesting and I'm not against it or changing my mind to these views as more comes out. Like, I'm not anti that um though all that to say is we only have a handful of training studies when it comes to the menstrual cycle on you know across the whole month and these are largely done on resistance training and so they're either single limb and or we have one true training intervention and then one training pilot study um but what we're seeing is that when you're looking at the follicular phase versus the luteal phase the follicular phase and muscle growth and strength does appear to be similar or superior to that of the luteal phase and what these studies did is they did like more sessions in the follicular phase versus less sessions in the luteal phase and then when we look at our one really good, I thought this was a pretty well done study training intervention where they had people do more days of training in the follicular phase versus less in the luteal phase, or they flipped it, or they did it normal across the month. What we see is once again, doing more sessions in the follicular phase does yield more muscle growth and strength than the luteal phase. But when we look at the difference across the entire month, it doesn't appear to be that much different or some of these studies, there's might be small differences in small measures, um, 
coming from this, but it's not like this huge, massive difference, um, so to speak. So yes, if you're going to like do more workouts or do more volume in one phase of your menstrual cycle, like it seems to be advantageous to do it in the follicular phase. And that probably has to do with the positive effect of estrogen on muscle growth. Um, but rate cannot confidently say yet that it's better than training normally across the month. So what I would recommend for you then is to identify your patterns. You know, you've been tracking for a few months, you've dialed in your nutrition and you know, like, okay, like days X through Y, you feel really good. And that might even creep into your luteal phase. I know that's contrary to popular belief that might, you know, creep into your luteal phase. And then you might want to toy with doing more volume, maybe more sets, maybe your harder workouts, your, your more intense effort workouts. Like, especially like if you're training for a race, maybe, and maybe you have a a deload schedule of every four or five weeks, maybe you're putting your hardest running workouts during this window, or maybe you are, you know, adjusting your training program. So you're doing, you know, three sets versus two during this window. So you're doing more volume. Maybe you have a work schedule where you really would rather train more days per week for two weeks of the month and less the last two. I mean, like there's nothing wrong with doing that if you want to do that. But I think, you know, consistent weekly training is probably the most adherable for most people. Um, But you can consider, you know, bumping up the volume during those phases and seeing if you get, you know, better results. You can consider increasing the frequency. You can consider doing your harder workouts during those phases. Maybe that is your follicular phase, your early menstrual through ovulation type phases, even into your, into your luteal phase, or maybe um, you feel better different times of the month and that's when you're going to dial up your intensity in training. That is absolutely fine to do, but then you'll have more of a clear picture if you've actually been following a training program and or eating enough of what feels good when, when you feel like you're recovering better, like actually write this down, take note of it, and then you can cater and adjust your training program to that. Something that I also really like to consider is like if you do know your behaviors of this, and this is kind of like something I made up, so someone starts copying this, then they copy everything else I do, so that's all right. Um, is I, I like to think of like if you know when your luteal your late luteal phase or your menstrual cycle phase impacts you the most, you can plan for that accordingly because if your cycle is pretty consistent and you kind of know when your symptoms are coming, you could do what I like to consider front loading or back loading those weeks. So if you know that like okay this week you know I know that I'm probably gonna get my period on Sunday and so my late luteal phase you know Wednesday through Friday are gonna be pretty rough. But so I'm gonna do my harder workouts Monday and Tuesday of this week so that I can. Adjust my volume or my intensity. So maybe you're doing your lower zone easy workouts later in the week. Maybe you're doing the, you know, lifting sessions that feel less demanding to you during that week. And or you working around that window of three to five days where if you do have larger PMS symptoms or your personal individual experience is more severe or you're working with clients because as much as this might not be necessary for gen pop, if it allows them to adhere to their exercise training program, you know, by working with these things and letting them feel like they're leading the way and listening to their bodies. Absolutely. Like readjust your week. I do this all the time. I do this. I readjust my training program around running or my work schedule. This makes sense, right? Like it's not crazy to do, but you can front load the intensity on those weeks and or back load it potentially to distribute that so it's not falling on the days where you maybe feel the the worst you don't feel like you're recovering you don't feel like you're training your best so to speak and so you can get the most out of your training sessions and so I like that as a approach first and foremost but there are ways that you can then adjust your training frequency volume and or um, intensity in response to how you feel but take note about how you feel when you feel these things and look at your phase and not just look at it in four weeks 
and or all these different phases and if you know how long your follicular window is and your entire menstrual cycle as a whole you'll get a better idea of like where these things are falling for you versus just doing it on a traditional 28 day four week type cycle that's kind of rinse and repeat there's no one size fit all because some people's cycles are shorter some are longer um so you know and then you can apply these things too if you do have you know disrupted menstrual cycles maybe you have very long cycles because you have pcos or you're struggling with these things you can still apply this stuff to you to work with your body and listen to yourself and that symptomology that you have while also still making progress in your training so i am not against you saying you know what i'm eating enough I'm tracking, I'm doing these things. So this is what you could think of as advanced auto-regulation where you're like, okay, well, I'm going to auto-regulate my training so I'm going to adjust it so I know that for these these weeks or these days I can do more I can get more out of this I can get more bang for my buck and recover where this day or this week or whatever this is I don't feel so great and I don't want you to think that that is automatically going to be your follicular versus luteal uh type phases because again some people feel terrible during their menstrual cycle and some people feel terrible during ovulation some people feel terrible in the mid to late luteal phases it's about identifying your patterns and figuring out when you need to push versus pull back for yourself whether it's mental whether it's just you feel terrible you feel run down or you feel like you can get the most out of your training sessions or even your motivation is fluctuating which that is a huge thing for all people and adherence and enjoyability during these times so that is kind of the tip of the pyramid. Okay, well, where can we get these maximized benefits during these times? And so if you do are doing this and you're like, okay, well, like what if I just want to get the maximum benefit out of my cycle, right? And I, I wish I had more concrete evidence and data to suggest anything other than potentially upregulating your volume and your intensity in your follicular phase to maximize the benefits of estrogen. But that's, that, that is totally fine to do. But we do not have data right now that says you should only do HIT during this time and slow steady state during this time and this and that and blah, blah, blah. We can hypothesize, right? We can make assumptions based off these things. If you want to do, you know, more of your easy, steady state zone two type intensity during the luteal phase then so be it if that feels good for you you feel like it's more oxidative you're relying more on fat oxidation you feel like you're going to get the most bang for your buck there then absolutely do that if you want to stick to ramping up intensity during different in the follicular phase because you feel better during that I don't really care what you do. The point of this podcast here today is to say that you need to be fed, you need to be training intelligently, you need to be taking care of yourself outside of the gym, then adjust to your cycle with nutrition forward focused first. Then from there, figure out what works for you, right? Some people might skip to that and I can't, that's fine. I mean, that's fine. I, I can't stop you from doing these types of things. But you might be able to reduce some of those symptoms with all these things. But if you've controlled all your controllables and you can figure out a pattern and rhythm that works for you or your clients, then absolutely, by all means, do that. That's what good coaches do independent of the menstrual cycle. They're learning to work with themselves, their clients, their bodies, and adjusting for those things. Just like I'm deloading this week because my work schedule is crazy and I had a little bit of a flare-up last week with my calf and ankle injury. So I wanted to drop the weights this week to give my body a little extra recovery and manage the stress and volume of my workday. And guess what? That's an appropriate response. And you can do the same thing within your actual training. So don't lose the force for the trees. All these technical things I'm talking about application apply to you, whether you're on birth control, you're pregnant, you're not pregnant, postmenopausal time periods where things are going crazy and haywire all the time, or just simply being a human. But there might be some benefit to adjusting these things, whether that's nutritionally and or potentially maybe um, for hypertrophy and strength purposes with the menstrual cycle at this time that you may be able to lead with once you've kind of got your bases covered. So that is my rant. 
for you all today. That is my better way to cycle sync. Um, again, go back and listen to the menstrual cycle myths podcast that I did earlier um, a few months ago. I think about I don't, well, I don't know when this will be published. So, you know, look back in uh, 2022 and my top three things for um, priorities for female athletes, go listen to that podcast as well um, because those will help give you a little bit more clarity on what you need to do for yourself. But hopefully this gives you an idea of how to adjust, you know, if you've covered all your bases, what to do, how to work these things for yourself because what it comes down to is making sure that your body is in a healthy state, it's fed, you're following good training programs, you're managing all these things. And then from there, at this point in time, the best advice we have is to do what works for you. Figure out how your body responds, how your cycle feels to you, and then build your training program around that for you. And if you're working with a coach, communicate that, right? Make sure that you are communicating with that. And if you don't have a coach where you can communicate that, like maybe consider getting another coach um, and working around your personal experience. And again, that might be different person to person, but building the skill set of audio regulation while it's just using the one to 10 scale or the more advanced scale of like actually dictating when you're going to do more versus less in your training. Because of that, it is a, it is something that will help you navigate that change in yourself across the lifespan and or cycle to cycle or in general, it will make you a smarter and better trainee. So that is my advice. I hope you all enjoy this podcast. It's pretty long. We got pretty into it. I thought that was going to be 30 minutes, but I just kept talking. Um, so if you found this helpful, you learned something, you know, you, you feel like this was eye-opening, whatever it is, go ahead and leave a comment if you're on YouTube. Make sure you rate and review over on your favorite podcast platform. Tag me if you listen to this. And otherwise, I will catch you all on the next Messy Middle Podcast or YouTube video. Thank you so much for being here, and we'll see you in the next one.